be who you are. And if they don't like that, then they don't deserve you. Hello, you're listening to Life's a Bags podcast, a podcast created to inform, empower and educate all in the experiences of women of colour. I'm your host, Ro. Our guest for this week's episode is someone who has firmly secured her spot as an influential voice in London's tech scene. She is someone who is deeply passionate about making tech more inclusive that she started her own global career advancement community, Hustle Crew. It's worth noting that we caught up just at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the world we live in today has been shaken up quite rapidly since. Following recent events and the Black Lives Matter protests, she has been using her voice to revive tech companies' interest in creating inclusive environments through talks and her extremely popular Understanding Bias virtual workshop. I'm joined by the one and only Abadesi Osonsade. Abadesi is the founder of Hustle Crew, co-host of Techish Podcasts and an author of a successful career handbook for millennial women trying to get ahead in tech. In this episode, Abadesi and I discuss how she finds the time to keep up with all of her ventures, why it's important for women of colour to hear stories told by those with shared experiences and why it's the greatest time ever for underrepresented voices. Abadesi has firmly carved out several hustles owning who she is and using it to add value to organisations. She provides a great lesson on how you can own your value. You also don't want to miss Abadesi's tips on how to navigate predominantly white work environments as a minority, how to break into tech and how to deliver that winning pitch. I hope you enjoy listening and let's get into the episode. Thank you so much for joining us Abadesi. Thank you for having me, happy to be here. We're really excited to have you on. Great. I know it's taken a little bit of time, but yes, <laughs> you are now. the techish queen. Yeah. We've got the techish queen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's kick off with your background. Yeah. So essentially, doing my research, yes. click onto your website, of course. <laughs> it goes, Abadesi is the founder of Hustle Crew, non-tech tech, co-host of Techish Podcast and the author of a careers advice book. Yeah. How, how, how have you managed to do all of this with your time? <laughs> um... I just get a lot done in, 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 yeah, in a day, I guess. I don't know. I think for me, um, it's been really important as I've gotten older and I've gotten more experience in the career world, but also as I've gotten more aware of myself and what I care about and, you know, the change I want to see in the world, it's become more important for me to use whatever energy and resources I have to push forward that agenda. And when I decided to start Hustle Crew, in 2016, I was committed to making tech more diverse and inclusive. I just realized that the way tech was going, it was going to end up being this horrible, evil industry that everybody hated, you know, that everyone was addicted to mm-hmm. um, and needed, but, you know, it was going to be like a necessary evil. And I didn't, I didn't like that vision of the future. And so I just thought, okay, what can I do <laughs> um, to change it? And I thought that mm-hmm with my background and and the things that I care about. I, I, I love using my communication skills. I love using my people skills to connect with people. It just made a lot of sense to start a community and build a business out of that. And the reason I wrote my careers advice book was, well, I started reading, 
you know, careers advice books, basically self-help books, probably around mm-hmm. university. Um, so it was around university. I had my real first existential crisis and I was like, I don't know who I am, what I'm going to do. I'm lost. <laughs> and, um, you know, just being a typical woman from African background, Asian background, trying to get advice from my parents on, you know, how to find myself. They were like, what are you talking about, girl? Just go be a doctor, go be a lawyer. What's all this find yourself stuff? Um, so yeah, I got really into self-help books quite early on into my adulthood. And I just started to realize so few of them are written by black people or specifically mm-hmm. black women. And I was like, how is advice that worked for, you know, this white lady with her PhD from Harvard going to apply to me and my background and my circumstances? And that's why I did it. But I don't, I really don't think I'm superhuman. Like people often say to me, like, how have you done all these things? And like, I just choose to spend my time furthering my projects. I'm also at times very lazy. You know, I binge watch too. Like I get up late <laughs> on the weekends too. I'm, I'm very ordinary. It's just that when I decide to do something, I will work super, super hard on it uh, and do everything I can to make it successful. <laughs> How do you continue to learn in order to stay on top of things as well? I think for me, learning is easy because I'm a curious person. And the way I stay on top of learning, what works for me is I love reading. I read a lot. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of fiction because you know fiction has, shown, has been shown in research to help us develop our ability to empathize with others and you know really build up our emotional inten- intelligence. So I love, love, love reading fiction. I read a lot of articles. So, you know, I've got a bunch of different email newsletters coming in to my inbox all the time, ranging from everything from like latest tech news, latest startup news, all the way to like latest diversity and inclusion news, because that is the work we do at Hustle Group. Mm-hmm. Um, I love YouTube. I love YouTube as well. Like if I don't know enough about something, I'll literally <laughs> just everyone's go Everyone's got like that bad addiction is YouTube. It's like the new Wikipedia because it's like, I don't even have to read. Like that's what I realized. I was like, you know, before I was like, okay, let me just no, quickly go. No, it's so good. Yeah. But YouTube, I was like, I can watch this on 2x speed. So like an hour on YouTube, I'm just like, like zipping through everything. Um, But yeah, I just think, you know, the internet makes it makes learning so easy. And then the other way that I learn Mm -hmm. is through people. There's so many cool people that I've met online. Some of them I haven't even met in real life yet, but you know, they've mentored (laughs) me. I've learned from them. They're just incredibly inspiring, incredibly educational. Um, So social networks like LinkedIn and Twitter have been really great for me to learn from other people as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of books and people, yeah, um, I know back in 2019 you made a pledge to only read novels written by women of color. Yes. So are you still on that journey or have you switched it up? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, still on that journey. So I, mm. I'm i still mostly reading only fiction by women authors. I made an exception in January because I was on holiday with one of my best friends and he lent me um, a book by a man, but he was a gay Asian man. So I was like, okay, I'm going to let this one slide. I'm going to, I'm going to read this <laughs> one. Um, but I'm, I am still, I'm reading The Runaways at the moment, um, mm-hmm. which is about uh, a bunch of different Pakistani, young, you know, young Pakistanis growing up across different parts of the world. Um, and also people from like in, Indian descent. But yeah, I just think it's really important. One for me as, as a woman of color to hear the stories of people who share my experiences, share my values, share my beliefs. But also I'm just so conscious of how so many of the things that I believe in my mind and so many of the ways I make decisions about the world have been informed by my education. And my education has always happened in a white supremacy society. Mm. 
And I don't agree with that. You know, I, I, I don't agree that any one race is superior than the other. I mean, I don't even really believe in race. I think it's a social construct. So it's really important for me to consume content that helps me expand my way of thinking. So mm-hmm. I can, it's almost like I want to undo all of those first few decades where I feel like my education was extremely blinkered. And how important is it for uh, those stories to be told by women of color? I think it's very important. I think a lot of how we navigate the world and and our ability to achieve things in the world, whether that's I want this job or, you know, I want that thing, I want to go on that trip, whatever it might be, like it comes down to power in many ways, like either the power we have to make that goal come true or, or the power we feel we have as an individual to even have the confidence to pursue those things. And I think if we only read stories usually written by white people where, you know, black and brown people are excluded from the narrative or when we do mm. feature in the narrative, we're playing some minor supporting role where we're very insignificant and very powerless. I do think that reinforces our own insecurities and our own imposter syndrome. You know, we start to believe that that is the role that we should be playing in our own lives. And it's like, no, I want to be the main character in my life, right? (laughs) I want to be best supporting, like not not best supporting actress, but like the best actress, right? You want to be like the director, the screenwriter, the producer, Mm -hmm. everything. Um, So yeah, I want to be the Will Smith. You want to be the Will Smith. Exactly. (laughs) Pretty much. Exactly. But no, no, that's definitely, I agree with you. But I feel like nowadays as well, when you look at the kind of content that is being consumed by people, I guess, women of colour, there's a lot more for us to choose from, definitely. So that's helping out with that a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's the greatest time ever for content from, you know, underrepresented voices. And to be fair, like, if you think about the whole world, we're not really underrepresented as women of color. It's more just like here in the UK or in America where, you know, we we are, but we are actually like globally, like a really, really big group. And the powerful thing about social media is that you can access a global community and everyone can be a content creator. So a lot of the gatekeepers that used to exist and, you know, control the story and and control information, they've seen their power taken away or rather like power has shifted and been distributed. And I just think that's great. It's amazing. Like Mm. I, I often think if I knew a lot of the things I know now about black culture, brown culture and white oppression, how different my level of self-confidence could be because I did Mm. spend a lot of my formative years, I'm talking like early childhood, teenage and stuff like that, just not knowing, not really knowing, one, that structural oppression was a thing and racism was a thing. And I mean, I knew racism was a thing, but I didn't understand how it was reinforced in the fabrics of society the way that it is now. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't have people talking about things that people talk about now which are important, like the challenges of identity, like the challenges of being the only black or brown person in a room or the only person with your religious background or cultural background and how you navigate that. So it's incredible. What's some advice you'd give to someone that finds themselves kind of out of their comfort zone when working in environments where they are perhaps the minority? That's such a great question because it happens to so many of us, even though it's 2020 and you're like, how? And I think especially in tech and the creative industries, I'm in so many minds about it. Like, I guess like the one thing I want to say is like, be authentic, you know, don't change who you are. I remember some of my first Mm -hmm. early work experiences and I used to straighten my hair all the time. Like maybe one day I don't (laughs) straighten my hair. People are like, ooh, your hair looks interesting. And it's just like, you know, that (laughs) microaggression comes slapping you in the face. 
comment. You're like, I haven't even turned on my computer yet. Like, mm, <laughs> um, I so I, I don't, I don't want to have to be someone who I'm not because I think you should, you should be who you are. And if they don't like that, then they don't deserve you and you shouldn't be there. So that's like the first thing I want to say, like, don't, don't feel pressured into changing yourself because there's a lot of research that shows that there's, you know, a psychological impact of pretending to be someone else that damages your health. So, mm, um, covering, you know, isn't that what they call it? Exactly. Exactly. Mm. So, so don't do that. Um, because it's going to really affect you negatively. And then the other thing that I say is like, find allies and find friends, like find like-minded people. Like, okay, they might not look like you, but they might watch the same shows that you do or listen to the same artists that you do or go to the same cultural events that you do or like the same authors as you. And, you know, just kind of scratch beneath the surface and find people who you do vibe with or at least people who share your values um, Mm -hmm. and then bond with them. Like in my case, I always, always connected with people that had experiences outside the UK because I come from a multicultural background like in my first first office environments you know work experience and stuff like that everyone's mm-hmm. white and posh and whatever I would always just like who <laughs> who's been in a world that isn't all white you know what I mean and those yeah. are the people that I could just immediately gel with so I'd be like oh like I traveled to Kenya on my gap year people would be like okay cool let's chat like at least now we have some kind of point of connection because we can talk about you know your experiences of being broader experiences of other cultures so yeah that would be my my, my two things to say be yourself and find people you can be yourself around amazing so what's some advice you'd probably give to someone that's trying to make a transition from maybe an industry that's not in any way shape or form related to tech and wants to get into the tech industry I would say please do it because if you're listening to the show you're probably a woman of color and we desperately need more of you in the industry (laughs) um I would say don't be intimidated by the fact that there are tons of job titles in tech that don't seem to mean anything (laughs) or are really hard to understand. I think that's in the corporate world in general. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Don't be intimidated by that. Like every company, you know, just creates titles based on, you know, their values and their culture and stuff like that. I would Mm -hmm. say that there's a job for everyone in tech. Whatever you care about, whatever you want to do, there's a job for you. Trust me. Like you like writing, there's a job for you. Like drawing, there's a job for you. Like talking to people, there's a job for you. You like analyzing data, there's a job for you. You like solving problems, there's a job for you. Like endless, 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 endless jobs. So The best thing you can do is start with an internal deep dive of all of your skills. What are you good at? You know, what what are you better at than most people? What is your above average skill? Focus on that. And then also think about your experiences. Like when you think of projects that you worked on at school or at uni, or when you think of work that you've taken on outside of the academic sphere, what were the elements you enjoyed the most? Like, did you enjoy the bits where you were talking to people or did you enjoy the bits where you were working on your own, moving a project forward? And based on those experiences and based on those skills, you'll start to get an understanding of like keywords that you want to look for in Mm -hmm. a company's culture and in job descriptions. So once you've done that internal analysis and you've been like, okay, these are the things I care about. These are the things that matter to me. These are the things I'm good at. You can go out looking at jobs on Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever, looking at companies and then try to really just assess companies based on their values. So look at the company's values and decide if those are values that you agree with and are important to you. And then look at the jobs and be like, okay, are these jobs that use the skills I 
I'm confident in? And are these jobs that let me repeat some of these experiences I had in the past that I really enjoyed? But that would be my advice for sure. And of course, join a hustle crew, you know, and other communities like mine where we share roles with you and we share advice with you. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a good one. And also non-tech tech. Yes, absolutely. Non-tech tech was like a kind of spin-off side project, really just to create a directory of folks who are in tech, but are not engineers. Because a lot of people assume that you have to write code to work in tech, which is crazy. I mean, Steve Jobs never wrote a line of code and he's like one of the most famous tech people ever. Mm -hmm. So what I wanted to do with that uh, was just remind people that it's not just about, you know, technical skills. And it's really interesting. I spoke to someone called April Wenzel, um, who's also a diversity and tech campaigner and tech Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And she spoke to me about how she doesn't like the idea of distinguishing technical from non-technical skills. Because Mm -hmm. if you think about it, she was like, putting a a presentation together requires skills, right? Putting a spreadsheet together requires skills, but yet they're not technical because they're not code. She's like, that Mm -hmm. to me is like technical skills or any skill is a technical skill. And I just thought that was really interesting distinction. So I wonder if 10, 20 years from now, people will kind of do away with the idea of non-tech tech. It's what a language though, isn't it as well? It kind of will put people off that don't necessarily know too much about the industry. Mm, And it's very othering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, throughout your life and career, you're constantly probably pitching ideas to people as a professional. Is there any quick advice you can give to us on how to pitch? Yeah, um, so much advice on how to pitch. So if you are someone that's just trying to drum up some business, maybe you're an influencer, consultant, content creator, whatever, I think the first thing you need to understand is people want to get value out of you. People either Mm -hmm. want to connect with the audience that you have, they want to connect with the specific identity of people that you have a close connection and engagement with. Um, Or maybe, you know, you yourself represent some voice that is missing from, Mm -hmm. from their planning team, right? And I think the more you can do to own that value that you bring, you know, whether that value is your identity or whether that value is the community you have access to or whatever it is, the more you can do to own that and double down on that, you should absolutely do because that is what gives strength to your brand. So in my case, I double down on the fact that the tech industry has very little understanding of bias and structural oppression and how this impacts decision-making at every level from hiring to product design. So I spend a lot of time talking about these things. And, you know, sometimes it's like, really awkward conversations like the fact that autonomous vehicles don't recognize people with dark skin it's like that is tough right but we have to talk about it so you know double down on the things that make you truly unique from a brand perspective whether that's a personal brand or your company brand Mm -hmm. and go extreme with that like talk about the things that other people don't talk about because they don't know about it that would be the first thing I'd say because that gives you an advantage against the other people who are also pitching Um, Mm -hmm. and then the second thing I'd say is get as much information as you can from the client so that when you're presenting your pitch, you can use that language and use those keywords to show them how whatever you're offering is a solution to their problem. So really, really do that research up front. If you want to find out more about it, you can Google articles around um, consultative sales because that is... um, 
the name of the approach. Mm. And then the third thing I'd say is remember that you have more than one chance to pitch to someone. I think a lot of the time we get really, really nervous and we're like, okay, this is my one chance. You know, here comes the call. It's a yes or no, make or break. Mm. The truth is there are so many things going on on the other side of the table you don't know about, right? It might be that the budget has changed now. It might be that someone else they asked earlier has come back and said yes when they couldn't do it before. It could be that the project has changed and they don't need you right now. But just because that pitch doesn't work out, maybe it doesn't, you know, it's a no, or maybe they can't afford you, whatever. Mm -hmm. Keep in touch. Just check in. Check in after a month or two or three, see how they're getting on, see if there's anything else that you can help with. Because I think a lot of the times we get one rejection and we're like, okay, that road's dead. Move on. Yeah. Take it to heart, don't you? But in reality, you know, some of my best customers are the customers that said no to me for the first year Mm -hmm. or two. You know, and then they were like, actually, okay, we're ready. So yeah, keep pitching as well. Yeah, just demonstrate the power of resilience. Just keep going for it, really. Absolutely. Okay. Out of all of your ventures, yes. What would you consider to be the most challenging at the moment? And how have you overcome some of those challenges? Ooh, yeah, that's a really good one. How have I overcome them? Well, I would say that Hustle Crew's main source of revenue is working directly with companies. Mm-hmm. And before COVID-19 pandemic hit, that would mean either myself or someone else from the team going into a company and either doing a lunch and learn session or a workshop session or even like a you know one-to-one consulting session. Yeah. Um educating um, on best practices for attracting talent from more diverse backgrounds, but also creating Mm -hmm. cultures which really foster a sense of belonging. And now that we can't meet in real life in any way that's safe, it has meant that we've had a lot of demand fall off the cliff. You know, we used to go in, for example, if there was a company meeting, a company event or an all hands, and then just Mm -hmm. do a presentation. Um, And, you know, those events don't exist anymore. It's not just that people don't meet in real life. It's also that business priorities have changed. And the messed up thing about the world we live in right now is that a lot of people don't see diversity and inclusion as a priority. They don't actually see it as essential. They don't actually see it as an urgent challenge. Um, mm-hmm. So it's difficult to be in a situation where six months ago when things were looking good and business was very good everywhere, people were very excited about all the diversity and inclusion initiatives they wanted to run. Yeah. And now however many months later, you know, people are dealing with layoffs and furloughs and a lot of the Mm. people that I would normally work with in learning and development departments, HR departments, recruitment budgets, often they're the departments that are the first hit because, you know, if you're not hiring and you're not growing, you don't really need HR as much. So it's very challenging. And I think, you know, I'm still in it. So it's difficult for me to say um, what what the outcome is. But one thing I'll say is, like many other entrepreneurs who I admire, I'm thinking of people like Sharmadine Reed of Beauty Stack, who was very openly blogging on Medium about um, the things that she's learning and the ways that she's adapting. Mm-hmm. I just started going virtual. You know, whatever I do have that I can offer in a virtual setting, I've adapted to be virtual. And it's not just exactly what it was before, except now I'm talking to a laptop. I'm able to use really cool online tools to help us have interactive quizzes and um, other collaborative ways of sharing information while we're on the video conference. So it's been quite fun. And I've been thinking like, oh, imagine if the world was always in lockdown. How would Hustle Crew look different? You know, what would it look like to be a careers community when you can never be in real life, you know? Mm -hmm. And what would it look like to support tech companies when you can never meet them in real life? So it's been an interesting exercise to do anyway. And yeah, I'll have more updates in future. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really important that people diversify and they kind of adapt their businesses to the new normal. They are essentially going to be the people that win and the people that don't essentially adapt and evolve are the people going to lose, really. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, what's next for Abadesi? What's next for me? Oh, gosh, it's exciting. Um, So I'm, I'm very grateful to be in the situation that I'm in and where I get to, you know, connect with incredible people like you and other great women out there doing cool things. And I'm very happy that the work that I've done, I hope, has contributed to mm-hmm. communities like yours being created and more and more people like us doing this work because it's so important and there's still so much work to do. So what's next for me? I want to continue creating content, whether it's my podcast, Techish, whether it's another book or whether it's more articles. I want to be visible. I want to talk about the work I do. I want to talk about why this work is important because I want to create many, many more communities like Hustle Group, not directly, but I want yeah. to encourage other people to do this, um, you know, across across the world, across every industry, because it's so important and it's so necessary. So I hope to just keep doing more of that. And I also hope that I can find an organization that cares deeply about about representation and inclusion at every level. And I can find a way to add value in an organization like that, leveraging the experiences that I've had in my career, but also leveraging you know, what I've tried and tested with my hustle crew clients to really see how even a fast growing company or a scaling company or a globally distributed company can still execute those best practices for being mm-hmm an inclusive culture and yeah creating a sense of belonging so that that would be an, a really really fun challenge to take up next yeah it sounds really exciting it'll be definitely interesting to see what happens with the diversity and inclusion agenda now that like you said budgets are being cut and even I feel like for the last few years people have been talking about diversity and inclusion what happens next does it evolve into being a conversation about belonging mm. or you know what happens next really so I think that's really exciting and you're in a great kind of area so it'll be definitely buzzing um, <laughs> Um, even if it does result in us having to do it all virtually um, we'll find a way so yeah amazing thank you so how can the people find you yeah so always love to chat to other folks interested in tech entrepreneurship inclusion or if there's anything that I've done that you also want to do (laughs) um uh happy to to share more so just follow me at abadesi I'm on twitter instagram linkedin and you can check out hustlecrew.co for our website as well oh amazing so there you have it that's episode three with abadesi if you find you are the minority voice don't forget to be yourself, embrace your difference and use it to own your value. A big thank you to Abadesi for joining us on the podcast. Before we go, we've introduced a brand new segment to get to know our guests that little bit better. Introducing our Speak On It segment, a quick fire round where guests have 30 seconds per word to give their views on buzzwords that resonate well with their worlds. Let's see how it went with Abadesi. So I've got essentially six words for you um, and I'm going to throw them at you and you're going to let me know what your first thoughts are. Oh, okay, cool. Those words. Okay, so the first word is disruption. Oh, um, I was thinking AI because I just feel like it's going to change and disrupt so many of the ways that we do things. I mean, it already has. I talk to my phone and it tells me the weather. But yeah, artificial <laughs> intelligence for me. Yeah. Hustle? 
oof, I think it's just going always to the maximum of everything you can do. Just like always going to the max, always going to the max, leaving no stone unturned, um, just throwing 100% of your energy into everything every time you care. Community? Oh, I think community for me, I'd say connection, like genuine, real connection, someone that you you vibe with. Yeah, connection. Big tech? Conflicted. (laughs) (laughs) I would just say conflicted because it's like in terms of long term impact on society, I have so many concerns and they're all really negative. But at the same time, I watch Netflix and I use mm-hmm. Google products in my company. So just very conflicted. Like I would love to divest from big tech, but it is incredibly, incredibly hard to. I mean, I have an iPhone, so I'm not fooling anyone mm-hmm. here. <laughs> and you probably use Amazon. Yeah, exactly. My book, I self published on Amazon. There you go. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Inclusion? Just. M- in one word, um, belonging. There we go. I'll bring it back full circle to the interview. I think belonging, it's not just about not being left out. It's about that being made to feel welcome. So yeah, belonging. Startup. Experiments, experiments. I think startups are experiments. You have an idea or an assumption, you want to test it, you want to solve a problem, and you're always experimenting. Like startups are evolving constantly. And um, yeah, it's just fun to see it as an experiment. It might work, it'll probably fail. That's okay. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Abadessi. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So that was Speak On It with Abadessi. This is a new format, so please do let us know what you think by messaging us on Instagram at Life's Podcast. We'll be releasing the next episode in a fortnight, so be sure to subscribe and follow us for regular updates. As always, if you have a few moments, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us become discoverable. Thanks for listening. This podcast was brought to you.